Welcome to the All Bodies Nutrition Podcast. I am your host, Delenia Agresta, and I am a weight-inclusive registered dietitian. I started this podcast to help people like you heal their relationship with their bodies and food. Each week, there is a new episode that talks about different topics surrounding eating disorder recovery, diet culture, weight inclusivity, and more. So stay tuned, and thanks for listening. Hey guys, welcome back to the All Bodies Nutrition Podcast. This is your host, Eleni, and as always, I'm so grateful to have you here with me today. Today is going to be a solo episode, so it is just me and you, and I'm excited to talk about some things that are on my mind. So first, I want to talk about a new show that I am obsessed with, and it is called Never Say Never, um, and it is streaming on the National Geographic channel and Disney Plus and I believe Hulu, um, and the whole epi- all the episodes are currently like live if you have those um, streaming services, and it features um, a guy named Jeff, Jeff Jenkins, and he lives in a larger size body, and he was like, I see like all these like cool shows showing places all around the world um, where people like jump off of cliffs and like go down waterfalls and like do all this really cool stuff but it's never someone in a body that looks like mine so he wanted to like travel around the world and show people that like people of all body sizes can do these things it's just like not necessarily shown on like mainstream media So yesterday I watched the first episode and honestly, it was amazing. It was so cool. I mean, the show concept itself is really cool and the added layer of the fact that it's featuring Jeff who lives in a larger size body, like going around the world to all these different countries and doing all of this really cool stuff is just really so amazing. And it's kind of sad that this isn't already a thing, right? Like we know like in the United States, the average size of a woman is like a 16. Um, So the fact that in like mainstream media on all these different shows, on like different streaming platforms, different TV networks, like it's just not already a thing. And we really don't see body size diversity. So the fact that this show highlights that I think just makes it so much more special and I highly recommend that you guys check it out the first episode he goes to New Zealand and he does so many different things including like eating like cultural foods with the local um, guide that you know comes on throughout the episode bringing him on these different excursions and he does like all of these really cool kind of scary things um, like going through this cave thing and on on a tube and like some of it I I would be kind of scared to do but I think it's just so amazing and I think it's also important to highlight like what a privilege it is to be able to travel not only is it a privilege financially to be able to travel but for individuals in larger size bodies traveling is not really made for us um you think of everything from like the seat size to the seat belt length um And those obstacles that someone in a larger body would have to kind of face just to get on a plane, just to get in another country um, is is unfortunate. Um, And on top of that, um, like Jeff had to have like a custom wetsuit made for all of these like water sport activities 
that he was doing and that's not necessarily accessible to everyone and I think it brings up the point of how companies need to make inclusive sizing so that people of all sizes can do all of these different things and it shouldn't be something that's special it should just be something that exists and you know it really makes the work that I do and others in this weight inclusive space so important and so I just wanted to highlight that for you guys listening you may be in a straight size body you may be in a larger size body whatever size body you're in you know I think it's just important for us to be aware of these things and to recognize that there is a barrier and hindrance for people in larger size bodies to be able to travel and like do all this cool stuff. Another topic that has been on my mind is the concept of like the general public not understanding what an anti-diet dietitian like myself, um, which I more so identify as a weight inclusive dietitian um, and a health at every size aligned healthcare provider the kind of framework that we promote in our practices is often very much so misunderstood. And I just wanted to re-highlight like the reason why um, I do what I do and why I promote individuals in this space that have similar values as me. Um, So the idea of health at every size, first and foremost, does not mean that people are healthy at any size. Um, I know like basically if you just look at the word itself or like, you know, the the title itself, it may seem that way. Um, but when you actually read the principles um, of health at every size, it doesn't talk about that at all. It basically is saying that regardless of the size of your body, you should be able to have access to healthcare that actually acknowledges like what's going on with you and you don't go to the doctor and you're like oh I have the worst pain in my leg or my knee or my back and the doctor's first recommendation is for you to engage in intentional weight loss and basically that's just lazy medicine um, and it doesn't actually get to the root of the problem because we know that individuals of all body sizes have pains in their body Um, and so if someone in a straight size or a smaller size body goes to the doctor and they have that same pain they're not, the doctor's not going to tell them to lose weight. They're going to actually treat them for what the issue is. And so the health at every size framework basically says like, hey, like all people, including individuals who live in larger size bodies deserve to have access to adequate care. Secondly, it also says that, or it promotes the idea that individuals of any size body should be able to eat food in peace without worrying about any sort of like diet noise Um, intentional weight loss that you are worthy and you should be able to have access to all different types of foods including fruits vegetables as you know not everyone in this country and the United States has access to a good supermarket that has things that are in season that are that is affordable um, and that you should be able to have a diet and not diet is in like intentional weight loss, but like the food that you eat, the meal pattern that you follow should be able to be in line with your cultural traditions and your cultural cuisine and things like that. Because we know that the diet industry, the health industry is very whitewashed and it leaves out a lot of 
other cultures and their foods and things that are important to their heritage. As you guys know, I've had many guests on this podcast and we talk about the issue um, of this wellness space and how it really amplifies like, you know, quote unquote, white ideals. Um, So that's also important. And also most, well, most importantly, but also just as important um, is that you should be able to have a place that you can go and move your body without feeling bad about yourself, without being ridiculed, that you should be able to engage in any type of joyful movement that you can follow consistently throughout your life. Um, I think that so essentially using this framework in my private practice amplifies what health looks like for you. Um, all of us are different. We know that we all have different sized bodies, um, different needs, different cultures, and all of those things should play a huge role in our wellness routine or you know, doing things in terms of movement, food, stress management, things like that. Um, that make us feel good and we shouldn't have to be tied to a scale. So when people say like, oh, health at every size is telling people that it's okay to be unhealthy. Um, no, definitely not. Um, I went to school for a really, really long time. Um, I have two bachelors of science degrees, a master's in science and clinical nutrition. Um, and literally my goal is to try and help each and every one of my clients improve their health and whatever is feasible for them. Um, And also focus on what actually makes them feel good. Um, So I just wanted to clear that up and kind of re-highlight that for any new listeners that may be listening to this podcast. Another topic that I wanted to talk about is Ozempic. I know I have spoken about this on a previous podcast, but I felt the need to kind of talk about it again um, and just highlight a couple of points. So first and foremost, um, this medication, Ozempic, Munjaro, were created to help diabetics lower their hemoglobin A1c. Um, Essentially, when someone has an elevated hemoglobin A1c, it means that they are running high, their blood sugars are running high. Um, And so the idea for this medication through various mechanisms in the body, it lowers the hemoglobin A1c. So we know that someone who is has uncontrolled diabetes, it's not necessarily beneficial for their health. Um, and there are long-term issues in the body that occur um, from long-term uncontrolled diabetes. So in the sense of controlling someone's hemoglobin A1c, it obviously is something that could be helpful. Um, I can't imagine how someone could be on this medication and be able to like eat normally um, because there are so many different side effects in terms of not to be TMI, but listen, we talk about poop here. I talk about poop with my clients all the time Um, with diarrhea, nausea, vomiting, um, people not being able to eat all day. And so I understand the benefit in terms of like medically treating someone's elevated hemoglobin A1c Um, But in terms of being able to like eat normally, whatever that may be for one from one person to the next, I can't imagine how that um, could be something that happens because it does prevent your body from feeling hungry. And so the idea in itself that medical professionals, doctors, nurse practitioners, 
nurses, PAs, are promoting this medication as like a cure-all to make you healthy um, for individuals who don't need the help in terms of elevated hemoglobin A1C, so that means that they're not diabetic, um, is just very frustrating for me um, because in the past, I had worked for physicians' offices across Long Island, and a lot of them were associated with bariatric surgeons. So a lot of patients that would come to me um, would be interested in bariatric surgery, and this was many, many, many years ago. Um, but the idea of bariatric surgery, meaning like um, they essentially cut off part of your stomach to make your stomach really small to basically restrict how much you're eating, um, this that it would lead to rapid weight loss. And ultimately, that weight loss is not always permanent. Um, but healthcare professionals are promoting, you know, this surgery as being like, oh, it's going to solve all your problems, you're going to lose all this weight, and your life is going to be perfect. Which is very misleading, because most often, more often than not, these healthcare professionals are not screening for eating disorders. They don't even view disordered eating habits as anything to care about. Um, and so you take a person who already has a tumultuous relationship with food in their body, and then you essentially make them unable to eat more than a small amount of food at a time. And that leads to a lot of um, mental health issues. Um, and so anyway, so people get people have gotten the surgery. I have many clients who have previously had these surgeries. And ultimately, people don't maintain their that low, low weight standard that their bodies adapt to the super low calories that they're taking in. And as we know, when our bodies get used to eating a very low level of calories or just a low level of calories you know, as it is, you start eating a little bit over whatever that may be. And that's when, you know, you gain the weight back, which is why someone's weight status and intentional weight loss does not directly correlate to someone's health status. So now doctors are saying, oh, all these patients that had gastric bypass surgery are gaining their weight back. So now let's put them on Ozempic and Manjaro to help them lose the weight again. And so this idea to me that like, okay, first you had this very invasive surgery that led to a lot of complications, including um, throwing up after eating and not because someone is doing it intentionally. It just means that their, their stomach just is not working as it once was. Um, having terrible reflux, putting you at risk for having... Um, cancer in your esophagus and heartburn constantly even when not eating and so there's so many different issues that occur not to mention many many nutrient deficiencies um so people get the surgery they don't really you know highlight the, the fact that it's likely that you'll gain the weight back they don't highlight all of these um, medical related issues that come from this procedure and now they're going to put someone on a medication to restrict their intake even more that has all a whole other host of you know issues that come along with taking this medication and it just is so frustrating that again like the healthcare system hasn't learned their lesson that like still 
just focusing on someone's weight and telling them that the best way for them to do anything in terms of managing their health is through losing weight it just shows that they just like don't pay attention because if this was in in terms of like intentional weight loss if intentional weight loss and I'm not talking related to a medication or like a surgery or whatever just in general intentional weight loss has about a 95 percent fail rate so if there was a new medication on the market that said okay there's only a five percent chance that this in the long term is going to help you the FDA would never approve it and so the fact that doctors are still and the healthcare system are still promoting these concepts is so frustrating to me um and so this idea of going on a medication to make you eat less doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be healthier um, if you can barely eat as is on a medication or because of a surgery, how are you, you know, eating a variety of fruits and vegetables? How are you eating balanced meals? Um, so it's just very, for me, counterintuitive. Um, and it's just frustrating that it's it's playing such a huge role in the wellness space and the health and wellness space. And on social media, I mean, I see on TikTok that there are lives of people who are like Manjaro chat, Ozempic chat, talking about their personal experience. And I'm not invalidating anyone's personal experience, but like one person's experience reaching, you know, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people on social media is kind of like very insane to me because now you have these online doctors that will see you online. They'll, um, prescribe you this medication through a compound pharmacy and ultimately you don't even really know what specifically is in what you're taking because if it's a compound pharmacy it's like made in-house it's like as if you made your own like tea blend no one's gonna like regulate what's in it um so there's a lot of um other issues that I just wanted to highlight and additionally um, people who go on this medication, they say, oh, I'm just going to go on it. I'm going to lose the weight and then I'm going to get off of it. But the point is that you need to be on this medication for the rest of your life. And we don't know the long-term, um, effects of this medication, especially in people who don't have diabetes, who don't need that blood sugar control. So that's a little bit more of a rant. Um, and lastly, I just wanted to talk a little bit about body image. Um, we are in the midst of the summer, um, and it could be a very difficult time, not only because of like wearing bathing suits, wearing, you know, less clothing, so we don't feel the comfort of necessarily like covering ourselves up. And there's still a lot of, you know, diet chatter and weight loss chatter, as I've talked about in this episode, um, and on very much so on social media. And I just wanted to let you guys know that just because someone has like really worked hard on healing their relationship with their body, and I'm speaking about myself, it doesn't mean that we necessarily always have good body image. Um, I would argue that for myself, I like have a neutral opinion about my body. It's like not really loving a lot of parts of it, but like just kind of chugging along. And I think that 
you know, I think it's a misconception of individuals who live in larger size bodies that they just get to a point where like one day they're like, yes, I love my body. I love all these rolls and this extra skin and all this stuff. Um, And the truth is, is like, that's not really the case for most people. I love my body in the sense that I love what it does for me. And I love to take care of it the best that I can. Um, And I love celebrating it through nourishment and through movement that I enjoy. But at the end of the day, I don't necessarily always have a good body image. And that's okay. And I think that that's just a misconception about like, you know, healing your relationship with your body. It doesn't mean that you're going to get to a place where you're like, yes, this is the best thing ever. It's more of just like being respectful of your body. And I spent so many years of my life, most of my life thus far, um, hating my body and hating myself and all the actions that I was undergoing in terms of like forcing myself to work out, doing things that I didn't like, trying to burn a certain amount of calories to restriction um, and then which led to disordered eating and an eating disorder that wasn't loving my body and that wasn't taking care of my body and so if you are struggling right now you may struggle every day like me and that's okay but I just wanted to let you guys know that it is something that exists and it's okay if it does and the best kind of advice that I can give without knowing you personally, I may know you personally, um, but just to, in, in a general sense, for the sake of this episode, um, is that it's really important to get clothes that fit your current body now. Um, and something that I personally focus on is not necessarily what it looks like when I'm wearing it in the mirror, but like how it feels on my body when I'm standing, when I'm walking, when I'm sitting. And I find that when I'm wearing things that feel comfortable that feel good um I feel better in my body and it's less likely that I will kind of like spiral and have negative thoughts about it um and I understand it's easier said than done and it's a long long lifelong process but it is something that you can actively work on if you want to and I just wanted to kind of highlight that closing out this episode Thank you so much for listening to this episode and spending this time with me. As always, all of my social media handles, my email address, the application, if you are interested in working with me, is listed in the show notes, um, my Instagram and TikTok. And I'm now on threads. My handle is all.bodies.nutrition. And I always have everything linked in the show notes. So thank you guys for spending this time with me and I will see you next week. Thank you again for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed this episode on this podcast, please consider giving me a review um, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or whatever you are listening. It really helps me and my small business, and I really appreciate your time and your kindness, and I will see you guys in the next episode.